Welcome to Something to Someone, a podcast where I explain something cool to someone cool. For this episode, which I think is going to be the ninth episode, I'm joined by my very old friend, Linda. Yeah, so old. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't really been doing this in the past. I feel like probably I should start. Like, do you want to do you want to tell anyone about yourself? Like, what do you what do you do for a living? I don't know why that's important, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's the reason I thought this topic was interesting is it's sort of relevant to what I do for a living, Um, (laughs) which is that I'm a a PhD student at the University of Michigan. And lately I've been studying like gig work and platform labor kind of stuff. And yeah, figuring out like what the future of work is going to look like. So yeah, I guess it's kind of relevant. (laughs) I'm super excited for your, like, insights, because, like, the first, so the first part of this episode, uh, I just want to talk through, like, the history of the eight-hour workday, and then later we'll talk about, sort of, like, the future of work and how eight hours is not really useful anymore. So, yeah, I guess I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start. I'm ready. (laughs) So, (laughs) eight hours of work has actually been pretty common, I found... There's like an emperor in like ancient Rome who wanted an eight hour workday. So it's been around for a long time, the idea of it. The sort of most like distinct calling for an eight hour workday I found was in Spain in 1593. King Philip published an ordinance that established an eight hour workday that would broken down into two parts. So laborers would work for four hours in the morning and then take a break while the sun was at its peak and then come back for another four hours in the afternoon. And I'm pretty sure this is where the Spanish siesta came from. Mm. Honestly, there's I was never going to find these records, but I did try. But I was trying to figure out like why he did that, because like no king that I've ever read about has ever done anything nice just because. So, like, (laughs) I have a feeling a lot of workers were, like, falling down in the fields with, like, heat Mm. exhaustion, and eventually people were like, no, we're not, like, making our crops because all of our workers keep dying. Yeah, I can imagine also, like, letting people eat is probably going to maximize their productivity (laughs) for the rest of the day. (laughs) There's probably a little incentive there. Yeah, and so over time, it sort of seems like this this cycle, this pattern emerges where sort of we we take workers to their to their breaking point of like how much we can ask them to work or like how much we force them to work. And then they end up striking or a, like a number of them end up dying and therefore it's like not like the whole population isn't productive anymore. And so the government will step in and be like, okay, seriously, eight hour day guys, we're not doing any more than this. And then as time goes on, that gets chipped at little by little by little until we're sort of back at this point of like working 10 plus hours a day. Mm -hmm. This is also gonna, I probably will cut this out, but I had this idea that kind of got stuck in my head that I, I bet that like when Judaism and Christianity were just starting and they were like really recruiting people one of their selling points was you get a day off every week because that was not something you had in pagan religions you would get days off for like religious festivals but it wasn't this like one day every week you get to like go home and do your own stuff i do love that question of like what what made these (laughs) i love your take that it's a recruiting tactic but But I am really curious, like, what made these, like, religious institutions decide, like, we're going to really need a day of rest. Like, it already speaks to, like, <laughs> they must have been really feeling the pressure of, like, you know, people are already working too much. I think we're going to need to have God tell people to take a break. <laughs> you know, it speaks to, like, some kind of need that, I don't know, That's it's an interesting question. I like that. <laughs> so, I just... <laughs> 
Because my other selling point for Christianity and, and Judaism is that there's only one God. Like, you only have to have, like, because there's so many gods in paganism. That, like, literally, I would just forget them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm more skeptical of that. It's a explicit. Yeah. They're like, we just need to simplify this down for people. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, though. I guess you're right. It does make it... It's an easier pitch. You know, it's like, you thought it was complicated with all these gods. Don't worry. We've just got one god for you. And you get a day off every week. (laughs) I love that you're thinking about this from, like, a product design perspective. Uh, Well, just goes to show how cynical I am. (laughs) So every country has had, like, has gone through this cycle. I'm going to focus on the United States because that's where we're both from. During, so during the Industrial Revolution, people were working 15 to 16 hour shifts because factories needed to be run 24-7, which is an insane amount of hours to ask people to work. So, and this is like... This was part of Ford Motor Company's claim to fame, was that they were the first company to start uh, offering shorter shifts for more pay. So in 1914, Ford offered its male employees $5 for every eight-hour shift, up from the $2.34 for a nine-hour shift. And then in 1918, they uh, extended that policy to female workers. And in 1922, it started giving its employees two days off instead of the usual one. Henry Ford was quoted as saying, It is high time to rid ourselves of the notion that leisure for workmen is either lost time or a class privilege. I don't know why it sounded so funny there. But they, uh, like, through these three changes, Ford just built, like, an insane brand loyalty Because, like, everybody wanted to work with Ford. Ford was going to take care of you. And they did. Like, Ford is... As far as I know, Ford is still, like, a pretty good company that does take care of its employees. And this is also... Those changes are what led to, like, the good old days, as we know them now, where, like, our grandparents could, like, fucking buy a house with one job. (laughs) So... (laughs) I don't... I don't really have, like, any specific records for this, but it seems like from the 1960s on, more and more people started to, like, internalize profit is the main priority, and so they started working longer and longer hours, and, like, the idea of, like, first in, last out became really prominent, and, like... Just collecting as many zeros in your bank account became, like, really popular. Um, And then, yeah, I just, especially in the film industry, which I'm going to talk about in more detail a bit later on, because our hours are completely different. People, like, people always brag about, like, how many hours they've worked. And it's like, now we're finally getting to the point where people are being like, maybe that's not a thing to brag about. Like, maybe this is not (laughs) how we should be measuring our, like, value in the world. Yeah. So I found this (laughs) meta-analysis. I'm going to put it in the show show notes. But the one thing that I kind of wanted to highlight was that for all of the studies that are addressed in this meta-analysis, by the way, for... Do you, do you want to explain what a meta-analysis is to the people who might not know? I do not know what it's going to mean in this context. It can mean a lot of different things, so you'll have to tell me what it means. It mostly means that this group of researchers went and they looked at all of the like work, all of the studies that looked at work hours in correlation to health from 1998 to 2018. So any studies that were mm. done about Uh, long working hours on occupational health. These three researchers went in and they looked at all of them and they were sort of trying to come up with like a bigger message. They basically found, or what I took from the study, because everybody can look at the study and take something different, is that there seems to be like a U-shaped correlation between work and good health. 
meaning that the people who worked too little hours and the people who worked too many hours were sort of at risk for the same health problems like cardiovascular, stress, depression, anxiety. My, and this is just my theory, is that the people who are working too few hours are stressed because they don't know how to make ends meet. And then the people who are working too many hours are legitimately being overworked. Mm, I'll buy it. So I feel like if we ever had like universal basic income in this country, I feel like people who worked too few hours would like their symptoms would decrease. Hmm. That's just my theory. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like that. I mean, the like fancy labor term for that, I guess, is a what do they call it? Underemployment, where it's like. Yeah, so maybe you have a job and you're not collecting um, unemployment, but you still aren't meeting your full like needs through your your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can hear that. That that sounds like it would be stressful and is like not what at least like labor economists want to be happening. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, basically the very like simple takeaway from the meta analysis is like do everything in moderation, mm. like. You need to work enough to not be stressed about not paying rent, but you don't want to work so much that you don't have a life outside of work. Mm-hmm. But I also, I think there's also something about, like, people like working. People like being a part of something that's bigger than themselves. So this idea of, you know, people wouldn't work if they didn't have to is like, no. I still, I still need community. Like, I still need to go somewhere and, like, feel like I'm contributing to the world in some way. And I think, I think that's a universal feeling. So, yeah, this, this episode is not, like, we shouldn't have to work anymore, even though we're actually going to get to that in a little bit because (laughs) technology has improved. (laughs) But yeah, work is also like a great way to meet new people because I feel like if we never worked, we would only ever know the people we went to school with. And like, that's, that's probably not great for our social development. (laughs) Hmm. I feel like I heard, gosh, I cannot remember where I heard this, but I wish I could remember where I heard this, but I heard a theory uh, maybe in the last year of someone saying that places of employment are a really great place for like um, building like an anti-racist world because it's the one place where you're likely to encounter people that are not like of your exact like class race ethnicity you're likely to encounter people that are outside your little like filter bubble world yeah i mean the i um, have some criticism of that because in a workplace usually there's like these hierarchies and like you know are you actually like talking and getting to know like the janitor at your workplace Uh, hard to say but I kind of like this idea that it is like a, a space that breaks down some usual like social boundaries kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, basically the the two takeaways from all of the studies that were done in that 20 year period um, is that like people should be working, but like not too little, not too much, mm-hmm. very Goldilocks situation. And also that, you know, people, I think that there is this idea of like, you know, people only work because they have to, and I, I that like I want to dispel that. Like, no, mm-hmm. people work because they want to work. They want to participate in society. They want to find something that's bigger than themselves. They want to like they want to have a reason to be proud. But it turns out that most people don't actually do that much work at work. <laughs> so. <laughs> Research showed, and I will include this article in the show notes as well, um, but research showed that people work for a little less than three hours out of the eight that they are spending at work. The rest of the time, they are reading news websites, checking social media, talking with their coworkers, searching for new jobs, which I love, <laughs> taking smoke breaks, making calls to like partners or friends who they don't work with. Making drinks, texting, or eating snacks. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I worked an office job in like 2019. And 
there were some days where like I literally did have something to do every moment of the day and even still I would take breaks I would do like one task and then be like I'm gonna go on YouTube for five minutes because I can't like immediately jump into the next task or there would be days where I literally had like one purchase or order come over my desk and I'm just sitting there and like feeling terrible. And I would like, I literally went to my boss one day and I was like, I'm not, like, I have nothing to do today. I feel so bad. And she's like, no, there are some days you just don't have anything to do. It's fine. <laughs> I'm like, I'm really glad I had like a chill boss like that. Uh, I love that <laughs> statistic about how much people are like actually working at work. I feel like something that I like to think a lot about and trying not to get too like academic at any point here but <laughs> go for it is like how how you define work so um you know whatever sounds corny but you know i think that this gets talked about a lot in terms of like whether we want people to be co-located in offices because in theory a lot of the work that you do on a day-to-day basis is just like idea generation working with your colleague like in you could almost argue like having a little water cooler chit chat like is that okay so i'm not like literally being maximally productive but like is that in some way contributing to creative ideas contributing to the culture contributing to my ability to collaborate with people like those lines between what's like productive or work and what's not i think is really interesting to kind of think about and play with and yeah i mean obviously i think if you're sitting there like candy crushing on your phone that's probably like just not (laughs) Not productive, but, like, playing with those lines between, like, what's work and what's not is just really interesting, I think. But also even the, like, you know, how I was saying that, like, I would go on YouTube or Facebook for five minutes. Like, if you're playing Candy Crush, if, like, playing that for five minutes is going to, like, rejuvenate you and help you do the next task mm-hmm. better. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, once you start thinking in this mindset, it raises the question, well, maybe Candy Crush is part of my job, actually, um, which yeah. I, lo- I love that idea. And also, this is a good point to mention, like, we're literally just talking about office work because, like, factory workers are always on different shifts and different hours. And I, like, I don't even know the hours gig workers do because, like, like, technically they get to clock their own hours, but... I don't know, like, I literally don't know what the average hourly gain is for them. So I just, like, I feel like people, you know, they could be driving Uber for 16 hours a day, which is not safe. You should not be driving that much in a day. (laughs) But yeah, and also, so, like, in my ideal future, because I understand that Amazon factories need to operate, what I want Jeff Bezos to do is pay everybody, like, $20 an hour and only have them work like six hour shifts and just have four shifts throughout the day because he could, he could absolutely do that. (laughs) Sort of the, the like plus side of office work is there's not a lot of danger to it. So like if I get really bored at work, I'm like, nothing's going to happen. But like, if you're on a factory line, like cutting up chicken and you've been there for nine hours and you slip. Yep and cut your finger off, like, now you can't really work anymore. Yep. So I think that we, I think that when we talk about work hours, we get stuck on this, like, eight-hour workday, and I just really want to emphasize that, like, that only applies to office workers, and we need to be talking about all workers. But (laughs) back to office jobs. As soon as this research came out that people were not actually working very much during their eight-hour day companies were like, well, we don't really want to pay people to work eight hours if they're not actually working eight hours. So sort of two new ideas came into existence, which was having a four-day week where they were eight-hour days or staying with the five-day week but having six-hour work days. Microsoft Japan moved to a four-day, eight-hour-a-week, oh, I want to say it was in, I want to say it was 2017. I'm going to look that up really fast. I can't believe I didn't take that note down. That sounds right to me. Because I remember when this happened, it was in the news. Yeah. 
It might be more recently, though. I, can't, I don't know. Time is a empty nothing that I can't tell how long anything is anymore. So this NPR article that I just looked up was from November 4th, 2019. Yeah. Okay, so July 2019, Microsoft Japan switched to the the four-day week. And they actually, they saw 40% gains in productivity and then decreases in overhead costs because employees were taking fewer sick days. And then also because the offices were only open four days a week, they had lower overhead costs. But that didn't, like... That worked well for that one company, but there have been, like, other companies that have done other things where... I'm not going to say the name of this company because it didn't work out well for them, but they tried a five-hour workday, but their employees were, like, heavily monitored. Like, when you went in, you had to lock your phone away, and then, like, everything on your computer was monitored by someone, and it, like, kind Mm. of worked well at first, but then... I think just like the big brotherness of it all started to have an effect on their employees. So they ended up scrapping that. And then there are other companies, like I found a financial company that tried to move to a four hour or a four day week, but they had some problems because their clients still wanted them to be available. And so they would have to do like, you could either choose to work Monday through Thursday or Tuesday through Friday. Yeah. But they sort of had to, like, figure it out in such a way where, like, there was always somebody at the office. Right. You have to Um, stagger it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think... I think the annoying thing about it is, like, the nice thing about five days a week, eight hours a day, is it was, like, sort of toted as this, like, one-size-fits-all, this is the solution, here's, like, the easy answer. And now that we're sort of all being, like... We don't really need to work that much. We're not even working the full eight hours. Do we really need to be in the office five days a week? Like, we're getting to the point where this is actually a very individual thing. It's going to be individual based on the company that you work for and based on how you work best. And so, like, the more complicated it is, the more we allow people to have individual choice in these things, the more sort of, like administrative you need to get with it all and like you need to be aware of who's working when and all of this stuff like it's not I think that like we're going to find it hard to move away from the eight hour five days a week because it's just so simple of an idea and then you also have to think about the fact that like McDonald's and Amazon could like easily pay $20 an hour for six hour shifts And still be giving people all of the benefits they need to live. But then, you know, the mom and pop burger joint can't do that. Mm -hmm. And how do we, how do we still make sure that the mom and pops can succeed if like all of these other companies are giving such great benefits all the time? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I have a few thoughts. I'm still thinking about your your point about it being hard to move away from this like kind of standardized like 40 hour work week and i think i had like both a pro and a point and a counterpoint to that i was thinking about like i feel like what's actually made it easier to move away from that in some ways is that so much work is like like global now you know that you're working with people across the world and so that whole like being synced with clients has just become it's, like, impossible anyway. So that's kind of like actually maybe something that's making it less likely. We almost need now people to be distributed across all the hours if you're going to be, you know, working with people across the world. But then uh, my counterpoint, the thing that I do think keeps us anchored to the kind of nine to five. And I think we saw this with the chaos of um, schools this year is like, Needing to take your child to school at 8 a.m. and pick them up at 4 p.m. Like, that's a reality for so many people. And, like, that's the window then during those school hours when it makes sense for you to be working. Yeah. And, like, changing that around is just really hard for anybody that's a parent, basically. Yeah. Um, Yeah, about the mom and pops. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, A, I'm really not optimistic that, like, Amazon is ever going to actually pay people, even though they can and still be profitable. But... And I think even for the mom and pops, maybe this is where you're going to go with it, but I think there's definitely just like a 
probably a regulation government needs to help like dimension here like you're i think you're right that it's going to be really hard to have like businesses on their own be like yep okay everybody gets 20 dollars an hour like it's going to be really hard to convince businesses to do that or even feasible for some you know small businesses to do that but like my two cents is like isn't that why we have a government to like <laughs> yeah help make life livable for people even when it's complicated and hard and expensive but yeah. yes that's i mean yeah that's pretty much where i'm going we're like for the most part it's going to be you know based on the industry you're working in as how many hours you work but for yeah. sort of for like the grand scheme of things the government could very easily go in and be like actually like, you know, if if we could get benefits at 32 hours instead of 40, mm-hmm. or crazy, like, off-the-walls, bonker idea, we just decouple healthcare <laughs> from work employment. Yes. I yes. know that's, like, absurd. No one's ever thought about it. It's never been done. <laughs> <laughs> that's a crazy idea. Everybody's like, come on. <laughs> Because that's, like, that also comes down to it, especially in the pandemic, when it's, like, dude, everybody really needed health insurance. Like, life would have been significantly Mm -hmm. easier for all of us had we all had health insurance. Yep. So, just putting that out into the universe. Let's stop doing that. But then, also, part of the problem is... When you have companies have this idea of, like, oh, if I can get away with paying you six hours instead of eight and you're really still going to do the same amount of work for me, then I'm just going to do that. And that's that's actually what Stanley Black and & Decker and the Los Angeles Times did at the beginning of the mm. pandemic, is they cut hours without increasing pay and, like... Partly they did it on the, like, oh, this is the pandemic, we have to cut costs. But mm. then they've, like, also, there were there were comments where they were, like, also, like, research has found that people don't even work that much during the eight-hour day. Like, it was, mm. like, a justification. And it's, like, no, if you're going to cut hours, you need to increase pay. You can't mm. just cut hours. Like, if people mm. are still doing the same amount of work, you need to be paying them the same amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there are a couple articles that Forbes did on the four-day work week and the six-hour work day, which I'm going to include in the show notes as well, because uh, a lot of, like, this isn't just us. I know that I've only sort of been focusing on the United States, um, though I did bring up Microsoft Japan, but, like, Finland would really love to move to a six-hour, four-day work week, which would be lovely, I think, because I think... Something else that our generation has figured out, because I've seen a lot of memes about it, (laughs) is that, like, two days off a week is not really enough time off, because it's like, I have to do my laundry and go grocery shopping and meal prep and exercise and, like, clean my house to make sure that, like, I'm not getting sick because of fucking dust bunnies or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so you don't really have time to, like, hang out with your friends or go to stores and, like, put your money back into the economy and stuff like that. So I think, I don't know in what direction we're moving away from the 40-hour work week, but I do know that we are moving away from it somehow. Mm. Mm. And then, this is where, I'm actually kind of happy that you talk about gig workers and all, and I would like you to go into that a bit more. But this is where I sort of have to point out that, like, I'm a filmmaker, and our hours yep. are absurd. <laughs> yeah. We, I worked, so I worked, I'm going to say it in the recording, I still haven't decided whether or not I'm going to edit it out or not, but I worked on Empire, which is a, a TV show for Fox. It has since wrapped, which is why I may still include it in the episode, because I feel like I'm not talking about anyone specific anymore. So in film... It is assumed that we are going to work a 12-hour day. When I get my rates, like when I figure out how much I'm going to get paid, it's in Mm. reference to a 12-hour day. Mm. For a long time, I was at the production assistant level, and that's always minimum wage. 
So, like, currently in L.A., that's, I think it's 210 over 12. So that's, like, that's how it's, that's how we talk about it. Like, that's the lingo we use is, like, here's how much you're going to get paid for a 12-hour day. It's 210 over for tw- the full, that means, like, it's a, is it, it's not an actual hourly wage, but it's, like, so- a, we're assuming you're working 12 hours. So technically it is an hourly wage because for the first eight hours you work, you get paid minimum wage. And then Mm. for hours eight through 12, you get paid time and a half. So it just, it ends up equaling it because I think minimum wage is Oh, so they calculate the 12. Yeah. I got you. They're calculating what it is total over assuming you're working 12 hours. Yeah. And it's- I got you. It's also um, just because like- I honestly think it's accountants just, like, not wanting to figure it out. But if you work (laughs) less than 12 hours, you still get paid for the full 12 hours. Because they don't want to, like, actually go in and figure out how many hours you work. And, like, we'll just pay you $210 for the day. Fuck it. And so when I worked on Empire, we actually had 14-hour days. Because the studio was like, you can go into two hours of overtime every day before you call us and ask if you can mm-hmm. go into more overtime. So they, like, the studio was like, yeah, we're going to work these people 14 hours a day. Oh, my goodness. And we routinely went over that. Like, I was, I want to say on average, I was probably working, like, 15 and a half hours every day on that shoot. And that's on average. There were days that it was, like, 19 to 20 hours there was one day where I got let home early, and I literally wanted to hug the person who told me I could go home early. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had this impulse to be like, oh my god, thank you. Like, I was... And is this, what are the what are the days? Is this, like, like, Monday through, like, what are the days of the week? So it is Monday through Friday. Um, having yeah. said that, I'm actually, so I'm working on a, I'm currently working on a kid's baking show. And because they're kids, we film Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. And then I have, like, a prep day on Friday every week. So, like, I'm currently working 48 hours a week because mm-hmm. it's still, like, 12 hours every day. Yeah. To be fair, I don't actually work 12 hours on Friday because it's a prep day. It's mostly me just going through emails and figuring out what's about to happen over the weekend. <laughs> Yeah. But the thing with Empire is that, like, so in TV, you shoot, every episode takes eight days to shoot. And I kept just being, I was like, if you know every day we're going into 14 hours, why don't you just give us an extra day for every episode? Like, why don't we just shoot an episode in nine days over eight? And there were, like, a lot of reasons for this, like, All of the equipment, because that, you know, if you're doing, like, a 22-episode show, then, like, Mm -hmm. that basically adds, like, a month to your your shooting schedule. Mm -hmm. And then you have, like, that's another month that you have to have all of that equipment rented. That's another month that you have to have all those stages rented. So, like, I guess it's cheaper to put human beings into a 14-hour day. Yeah. But I also, like, I don't think, like, in the long term... No, that's not cheaper. But the nice thing about TV is that, like, you know, if I'm standing every day, all day, and then 10 years down the road, I start having, like, back problems or feet problems, Mm. I can't pinpoint one production that's caused that. Mm. So I can't really get, like, workers comp or whatever. Hmm. So it's just, it, like... I feel like any filmmaker who's listening to this is going to be like, oh, she's so complaining. Like, but (laughs) but it's inhumane. Like, there is this, there is this thing of like, oh, well, like, if you can't, you know, stand the heat in the kitchen, get out. Right. It's like, we just don't have to treat each other this way. Yeah. And I know we don't have to treat each other this way because they don't do this in Europe. In Europe, they have 10 hour shooting days, which is still a lot. To be fair. But they also don't have lunch over there. So, like, here we get to break for, like, half an hour to an hour for lunch. But in Europe, mm-hmm. they ju- there's, like, a whole department. We have it here. Uh, it's called Crafty or Catering. But in Europe, they just have, like, the Crafty team bring food around. Like, like little tiny mm-hmm. snacks, like, once an hour. Mm-hmm. 
So you're just like eating little amounts throughout the day. And that's why you get to only shoot for 10 hours. But like... Can I ask you one more question? Yes. Do you have a union? <laughs> is I there like a... <laughs> I do not. Union for for whatever the... What is the category of like behind the scenes TV people? What is that category? So there, there are an insane amount of unions. Right. Because it's like the writers has the writers guild, the directors has the directors guild, producers right. have the producers right. guild. All of the crew has like IATSE, which is I A T S E, I think. And that's how to be fair, like when we when you go past twelve hours a day, all of our pay goes up to double time. So we yep. we get a lot more money and it and that's I mean, unions are, are the reason we even have, like, just 12-hour days, and it's not yep. just this, like, going for as long as the <laughs> director wants to <laughs> yeah. go for, like, yeah. 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 I, like, I'm sure in, like, the 30s or their 40s, there were people who just, like, never even left the fucking lot. They just yeah. took yeah. naps when they could or whatever. I'm sure it was right. very dangerous. But it's just, so, like, I know for a fact that, like, my industry is never really gonna... I'm never gonna get an eight-hour day, let alone a six-hour day, because it's just... Mm -hmm. There is so much that goes into filming a scene. There's no way Mm -hmm. not to take this amount of time. But that sort of brings me to the next question, which is... I think it's really interesting living in the 21st century, because we've had all of this technology... And the whole point of all of this technology, how it's how it's sold to us, how the people who are making it like truly believe in it is like, this is going to make everybody's lives easier. And so this idea of like, we have all of this technology and it should be making our lives easier, but like somehow we're even busier than we've ever been. And that's, that's the part where I think like, Universal, universal basic income is going to have to come into play because it is this idea of like we don't all have to be working as much as we do like we don't need so many people out in the farm anymore because we have these machines who can do the job of like 20 men and then we're also having all of these like really sort of like sci-fi greenhouses built where you know, it's just like a couple people on a computer programming when they're like the water is going to come mm-hmm. and when the light's going to go on. And so it's like, how do we like if we don't have to work as like, forget, you know, forget all of this, like pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, da, 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 da. but right. like factually, we don't have as many jobs like we have more people than we have jobs. And I think that this is like the first century where we can say that. And so that's sort of the like what do we do if like work has been so central to our survival as a civilization and and as a society Mm -hmm. that like i don't know how do we decouple from that how do we sort of separate ourselves from like it's okay to not work but how do we possibly say that after literally our entire history of us needing to work to get to where we've gotten right now yeah i mean i think that's a really good question but i i feel like something that i've been thinking about a lot lately is like part of the very complicated (laughs) answer to that question again how just like how much all of this is actually like a very western and in particular very like u.s kind of cultural artifact like exactly like you said like art the U.S. in particular is, like, very much links, like, our idea of, like, what a valuable human being is to, like, do you have a good job and, like, a career? And are you work? Are you busy? You know, that, you know, are you, oh, well, if he's not, that's what makes everybody say, like, they're busy all the time because it makes it seem like you're important and valuable as a human. And, like, you see this in small ways in, like, European countries that are like, nope, it's just the norm here that everybody takes all of, like, August, if not the whole summer, just, like, off. So I think part of it is, like, a cultural thing in our country of, like, not treating work as, like, the be-all, end-all, like, reason you're alive. (laughs) 
But I also feel like it's weird to realize, and this is just like my little tiny, you realize how narrow your own worldview is, but like how many other countries in the world people don't have these like career office job, like this, you know, I spend all day in an office kind of, it's like much more informal forms of labor. Like I'm an itinerant like migrant farmer and I only work these random months and these random times. And I feel like that's a very different kind of culture and understanding of like what work is that I don't know a lot about. And I feel like it's interesting to think from those kind of perspectives about like the future of work because there's already plenty of people like not working 40 hour weeks, not working in an office, not working for one continuous employer. Like I feel like it's like, well, what's going on in those situations might be part of, I don't know, something we could learn. Something I don't know enough about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. It's a great question about, like, I how did I hear this phrase in, like, another podcast? It was like, listen, there was this promise that it was going to be the future and we wouldn't have to work anymore. But instead, the opposite is happening. Yeah. Like, what is up with that? I think it's a really good question. I think, I honestly yeah. think it's our inability to, like, sort of turn our backs on this thing that we've put so much value on. I mm-hmm. feel like, I don't know why this metaphor just popped into my head, but I feel like it's like having a gold bar and just like throwing it in the dirt and being like, this isn't important anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. I hear you. Yeah. When you pinned everything to like, this is how we succeed and how we live and how we become people. And then you're like, wait, how do you start to think about something else? It's like, where do you even start? yeah but what do you mean that's not the be-all end-all like where else do we go yeah and i know i'm gonna bring religion back into it but i also think that there is um if i haven't pissed off my audience already like here we go (laughs) (laughs) but like the there because like just specifically america there's like this puritanical idea of life and i think that like part of the way that you keep these, like, very, like, ho-hum-in-a-box ideals of life is that you just keep working people so they don't have time Mm -hmm. to really question anything. And so I think that, like, if people, you know, don't have to, like, work themselves to the bone, they can sort of start to go, like, why can't I buy a beer after 10 p.m.? Or, like, you know, why you know, why are these mega churches like not having to pay taxes when this guy has a fucking right. mansion, you know? And so right. it is like, I think that, I don't know, I don't know if there be, would be any way to prove this besides like a rich person saying the quiet part out loud, <laughs> but it's just like, <laughs> there is this idea of like, you have to keep the majority of the people like complacent yeah. and like non-questioning to a certain extent. And so I think that they're, like, the people who, like, I want to say, like, the powers that be are just, like, but, like, but what would people do if they weren't working all the time? And, like, would I get to still be the person that I am? Like, I feel, yeah, I feel like it opens up, like, the less people who are working, the more questions there are. Yeah, I've heard I've heard this argument. Maybe this is like the flip side of that is um, if we ever wanted to have like a truly democratic society, you would need to have everybody have like a 20 hour work week because people would need an extra like 10 hours a week to be like paying attention to local regulation, paying like showing up at city hall, like yes, showing up at the, the city council meetings, like to actually be truly democratically involved can be a full time job, which you see from like you know, retirees, which I love that. I mean, even if at the small level, like, hey, we should probably give people the day off to vote. Hello. But at a a bigger level, like if we actually want people to, we're always yelling about like, people don't vote. People aren't involved. Well, it's because they're like working 60 hours a week to survive. Like, yeah, if you want people to do things to help, you know, think those big questions about like, what should our government be doing they need the time to think about it um yeah Yeah. so i i think i agree with that i think those are the two really hard things for us to wrap our brains around is like 
one, we have to figure out something else to define ourselves by, and that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. And two, there's just this sort of, like, overwhelming question of, like, what would people do if they didn't have to work? Because I, like, I just have this idea that there's going to be, like, an explosion of art. Like, (laughs) it'll just be like, if you don't have to work, then you have time to, like, paint or write poetry or, like, you know open a restaurant or like whatever whatever mm-hmm. and i'm i'm like <laughs> this is so terrible of me this is the worst thing but like i'm a little terrified of that because like <laughs> i don't even know how to like sort of make myself stand out with like the amount of creators that are currently in the world <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's this meme I don't know if it was a meme or like a Facebook post, but I read it a really long time ago and it was from this like sort of like cynical writer, this like old time mm-hmm. Hollywood writer who was like, stop asking me for advice. I don't want you to succeed because like the more writers there are, <laughs> the less work there's going to be for me. Yeah. Well, first of all, that's hilarious Marissa, <laughs> that you're like you afraid of Utopia. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess... I don't know. Maybe this is like a little bit too much of like a flippant comment on my part, but I feel like the fear you have about standing out is about is a fear about like um, needing to make money from the thing. And like again, if we're in a world where yeah. it's okay that there's only three people who come to your play or whatever because you don't need to make money, and those three people like fucking love your play, like does it matter anymore? That's a really good I point, actually. I didn't think about yeah. that. It's something I'm having to think about a lot now that I'm, like, kind of in creative world where you publish, um, you know, I'm supposed to, like, come up with new ideas and publish them and be innovative. But there's so many people thinking really good ideas and publishing about them that I often am like, what am I even doing? <laughs> like, yeah. Is it even worth it? But it's, it's like, hey, if it's worth it to me, if it's an idea I enjoyed thinking through, I enjoyed writing about. And, like, four other people are going to find it and think it was interesting and different. Fine. So be it. I'll accept that. No? That's legitimately the ethos behind this podcast. I don't know if ethos was the right word. The intent behind Sounds this podcast. Sounds right to me. Of, like, <laughs> I just needed something to do during quarantine, and now I actually legitimately really enjoy the whole process. Honestly, my goal, like, I wish that I could have, like, a universal basic income simply so that, like, I could spend more time actually researching far more. And, like, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite podcasts is You're Wrong About. And they, they'll, like, go and, like, have, I don't know if they have time or they just make time to, like, go find experts in the thing that they're about to talk about and, like, interview them or even bring them on the show. And it's like, yeah, I wish I could, I wish I sort of had the peace of mind to mm-hmm. only have to worry about this podcast. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like back to your point at the beginning of like, you think people enjoy work. And I I think, again, I have this question of like, well, what the hell is work? I don't think people enjoy like having to show up at a job where their boss tells them what's important and when to do it by but I think people like to create things and work together and I think you're right it's like there's a lot of dimensions of work that are what we would probably do completely left to our own devices yeah it's just the like doing it for 16 hours continuously that we would probably not do yeah yeah it's also doing it because just to like give a, a bit more backstory I've I've basically been at the assistant level for a mm. decade now, which mm. is really quite awful because it's like my whole life is like doing what other people tell me to do. But like I I like being a helpful person. I like being able to like help people do what they want to do. But there does become a point where it's like, oh, this is what I do to make money. And that has sort of, like, I am a little bit afraid I'm going to turn into a very bitter person if I, like, (laughs) stay at the assistant level too much longer. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot also with, like, I feel like we're getting to this age of, like, middle of, like, middle of the life kind of area where you're, like, 
now why do I have this job? And like, is this fulfilling? Yeah. Do I hate this? Do I wish I had a completely different career? Like, what? you're asking yourself these questions where you're just like, and you can see yourself becoming like the bitter, like cynical, like resentful person. Yeah, that's a good question whether, I guess some people seem to avoid that, but is that just like a product of working under capitalism for decades at a time that inevitably you're just like fuck this i I don't know i feel like it is like i like i feel like when you're younger you know when you're in college and you're trying to like figure out what you're gonna get Mm -hmm. a degree in you you have this idea of like people always ask you what you're gonna do for a living and you really have to like i feel like a lot of people end up picking jobs that are like this will make me a lot of money And so, like, they go, they, like, become doctors or lawyers or whatever, and then, you know, they get to that point, like, after they've been a lawyer for a little while, they're like, this, this is not actually, like, yeah, I have a bunch of money, (laughs) but, like, I don't like doing this. I just picked it because it would make me a lot of money. Or vice versa, you'd start doing the the passion thing where you're like, I'm going to be a musician, and then you're like, oh, I can't afford anything. <laughs> and I also am not even a musician. I'm like a the guy who works at the studio where you're like, yeah, I think no matter what, there's a, it seems like a point of disillusionment, disillusionment in any career where you're like, hmm, you know, I thought I was doing X, but what has happened and the way I feel about it is why. <laughs> yeah. Do you... Yeah. Do you have any insights on gig workers that you would like to add? I, I'm i going to be yeah, honest. I didn't know. That's that, a big question. I know. <laughs> yeah. um, I did not know that that's what you were studying when I asked you to be on this episode. I just thought that you would have good imp- opinions and insights. But it is like, I don't, because I don't know what's really happening. Because I know that like gig workers, they aren't really, they don't get benefits and yep. they have to choose their own hours. I don't know. Yep. I always, I feel like when gig work, like when like Uber started or when like DoorDash started, there was this idea of like, sorry. Okay. So like the thing that I find interesting is that we have this idea that like there's always going to be some jobs that are like, oh, this is just meant to like supplement your income or like this is only meant for like teenagers. Like Mm -hmm. that's what I always... That argument always comes up when, like, McDonald's workers want pay raises. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, those jobs were just meant for teenagers. And it's mm-hmm. like, what? Why do we divide this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a... I guess that I, I feel like something that I'm trying to break down in my own mind related to the, like, McDonald's gig job is, like, just this in this hierarchy of jobs in yeah. everybody's mind where you're like... These are the good jobs where you have to think hard and have skills and therefore we're going to pay you $40 an hour. And this is a job where you're just flipping burgers, so you only need to make $15 an hour. But as soon as you start scratching that surface, you're like, wait, but that burger flipper is like literally standing on their feet for 12 hours and it's really hard to work with customers. And you're like, arguably, this job is much harder and involves just as many skills. So like, Remind me why we're paying this person like zero dollars. So yeah, in my, even in my own mind, it's like a, like that hierarchy is something I'm trying to always like fight against because that's just something so ingrained from like the get go that people are like, well, you don't want to grow up and be a janitor, like you gotta, you know, whatever. <laughs> so it's it's hard to come up with that in your mind. But to your question about like, well, I guess my like, if I were gonna throw out like a hot take about gig work right now. <laughs> Part of the reason I got interested in studying this is because I'm I'm convinced that it's going to become the model for, like, all employment. Um, and I think this is what... That terrifies COVID-19, me. Yeah, yeah, you should be scared. Um, I think COVID has made this, like, my conspiracy theory hypothesis, like, a lot more real all of a sudden. But just in terms of, like, you know, the, the fancy word for gig work is just, like, freelancer. Um, or arguably even like the way your work is structured more so like where it's like oh you don't have one employer who you can ever go that is not accountable for you in any way shape or form and like you aren't beholden to like a nine to five like a lot of people of and it's not just taxi drivers or whatever are gig workers of some kind and so I got really interested in like is that what's that gonna mean when like 
even the fanciest, like high skill knowledge work office jobs are you sign up in a spreadsheet for I'm going to work these six hours a week or I'm going to work 60 hours a week and I'm choosing these random hours to do it. It's I mean, there's already platforms where you can do this kind of like freelance design work and people just hire you, you know, random hours and you're competing with people across the world for these gigs. So. I don't know. I think that, and that's just like where I feel like everything is going. Like the most recent research project I did was interviewing therapists who were therapists who work for like Talkspace and BetterHelp. Yeah. Um, because that's just like, oh, you have like a master's degree and you're doing therapy in this theoretically like very high skill quote unquote job, but you're working for an app. <laughs> like it's like the yeah. Uber of therapy. Like what's going on there? That's a really good point. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm I'm sort of thinking, my like I said, my, that's my hot take is that give us you know another ten years and we'll all be basically doing the Uber of our current job. Yeah, yeah, it sounds nice and fun, right? So, I, well, <laughs> here's the thing: if if we had some sort of like universal basic income or just like much better mm-hmm. safety nets, like. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about, not the nice thing, it's not, I'm going to edit that part out. Um, <laughs> but one of the things about working in the film industry is that you will, like, I'll collect unemployment for, like, the week or two that I'm between gigs. Like, I'm not going to be on unemployment for, like, mm. the months and months that I was on unemployment because mm. of the pandemic. But it is this, like, it's pretty well understood that, like, you know you're just gonna, like, go to the state for the week or two that you're in between jobs. And so, like, we're gonna have to have, like, much better, you know, safety nets. And then we, like, honestly, we have to decouple healthcare from employment. Like, we just, we really, truly have to at this point. It's not, (laughs) it's not doing anyone any good. Yeah, that's, it's, uh, it's weird because my research that had nothing to do with this ostensibly became so much about, it really was like one of the unspoken findings of this research is I convinced myself. I was like, oh shit, we really do need to decouple healthcare from employment because like that's the, you know, this form of like kind of gig work, working for an app is actually really helpful in a lot of ways for people. A lot of these therapists are like working moms. They get to choose their hours. They get to work remotely. Like on paper, in theory, it's kind of a good working arrangement. It's just the fact that you get paid shit and we have no social safety net in this country that makes it bad. Yeah. And so people talked about doing weird things where they're like, ugh, like I'm working 20 hours a week for the app, but I'm also still working 20 hours a week for this job just so I can get the benefits, you know. Also talking about therapists have a great perspective on this where they're like, my poor clients have to like see a new therapist every time they change jobs and their insurance changes. Just like a really oh, yeah. crappy way to <laughs> yeah, get care. So yeah, dude, if there I agree that the secret subtext of this entire episode should be like Medicare for all. Because <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> I would be yeah. I would be super fascinated to like hear if you did, you know, like, if you ask the questions you asked to the Talkspace people to, like, therapists who, like, worked in England. Because, like, I'm assuming Talkspace yeah. is over there, too. I don't actually know if it is, but I think it's a good... I mean, weirdly, England might be a bad example because England does a lot of... Makes a lot of the same mistakes we do in terms of crappy social safety net and oh. crappy work culture. <laughs> Sweden, then? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good question. Well, yeah... Um, I don't know the answer to that question, obviously, not having, (laughs) like, looked into it at all, but... But, like, that's... I do wonder, like, what gig work culture in general looks like in places where you have a much better social safety net. Yeah. If you live in one of those places, feel free to email us at (laughs) somethingtosomewonepodcast at (laughs) gmail.com. So, yeah, that's... I mean, that's really all I have. I'm going to include all of these articles and, and... studies in the show notes but yeah I just I felt like it was a conversation that we've been having a lot especially as people are starting to go back to work finally mm-hmm. it's just this sort of like we we should stop and think about this and I know I know for a fact that it's happening in the film industry 
because more and more people mm-hmm. are talking about how like this is really quite bad and and something that I didn't really mention but that I just I want to say on the record is that like especially at the like the production assistant level those are those are truly the people who are first in last out and they're getting paid the mm. least amount of money and they have mm. no union so like my fear is like someone's going to be driving home after a 16 hour day and get into a car accident and because they're off the clock that's not right. workers comp anymore and yep. like now that person's fucked yeah yeah i think this is like a thing that many other people know a lot more about but i feel like coming along with this like you don't have an employer gig work kind of world i'm hopeful that there's going to be more unions that are also detached from like a specific employer so that you have some kind of way to be protected and have a social safety net even if you're like working for an app or working for a million different employers i feel like to a certain extent the government is gonna have to step in and like act as the union like the government Mm. really needs to be the middleman between the people and the corporations yeah 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 the only thing is i think as we have seen you don't get anything unless you demand it vocally (laughs) i feel like that's the benefit of unions is they can be the people saying hey we demand this and we will not vote for you if we don't get this kind of thing well i think just like talking about because we've talked about how like we sort of are at this point where we have to shift mindsets and and there's no like rubric Mm -hmm. of how to do that but I think to a certain extent, the government has to do that as well in the sense of, like, governments used to be, like, the top of the food chain. And so to sort of go mm-hmm. into a president, like, especially the president of the United yeah. States, and be like, you are no longer the, like, most important person on the planet. These, like, CEOs are, and you have to, like, you have to have this mind shift of, like, I'm becoming a middleman between the people and the corporations instead of like I am the be all end all. Hmm. Yeah. I would love to know if how like government leaders think of themselves or see themselves. I feel like this is a whole other podcast, podcast topic. But I <laughs> but I do feel like the like whole thing about like money in in government um and, you know, PACs has I wonder I wonder if government leaders see themselves as basically beholden to corporations already. I don't know. I would love it's not like the kind of thing you can actually go ask like a no. congressman. <laughs> but <laughs> but I like that idea of just like do they even see themselves as like a leader or are they already just like a middleman? Like I don't know. I think people Who do they see as their boss? You know. Well, I think because there is this hierarchy in government, like, I think, like, mayors, you know, to a certain extent, they're the leader, mm-hmm. and then, like, but there's always, like, a governor above them, and, like, the government has the president, and the president doesn't mm-hmm. have anybody above them until now, where it's, like, you know, Amazon could fucking cripple us in a day. Like, if, yeah. if who has ever, because I think Jeff Bezos stepped down from being the CEO, so who's ever in charge of Amazon, if he just, like, wanted to fuck with us for some reason, he very easily could. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, I'd argue they, Amazon is already fucking with us. Yeah. By, like, <laughs> the presidents they've said are already, like, pretty Not great. dystopian. <laughs> yeah. So that was a, this, <laughs> I feel like some the of side. the episodes had, like, like decent like sign off moments um and this one is sort of just like rambling to a slow end of we don't know where the world is going but we know that it it really can't continue in the direction we've been going can i throw out two book recommendations yes people might be interested in okay one is this book called bullshit jobs by one of my favorite academics his name is david graber he recently passed away actually but um yeah, Bullshit Jobs is a great book, just kind of about some of the things we've talked about, about, like, wait, what does it mean now that we are, are at these jobs where we're not even actually working, question <laughs> mark, and, like, uh, why is there more work than ever, even though in theory we, like, have plenty of ways to feed ourselves, so it's a great kind of 
nonfiction ap- approach to answering some of those questions. The other one's a little bit more, oh my god, you're going to think this is so academic and nerdy, but I think it's a good book. <laughs> it's called Counterproductive Time Management in the Knowledge Economy. This is for anyone like me that's like like office desk worker. And it, it's again kind of about this like, what the hell are you even doing while you're at your job? And so it's kind of... Again, a little academic, but worth maybe a skim just in terms of talking about like, okay, why are we forcing people to be more and more productive to do perform like busyness all the time? Like, why is busyness how we value people? Even like that's how we value even people that outside of a job context. So both really good books, um, pretty academic, but sorry, that's, I guess I'm, that's what I am accidentally. (laughs) Yeah. That's all. That's great. I will include both of these books in the show notes as well. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. I love talking about this. Good. I'm glad. That's always the, like, that's the point. Is it just two people talking (laughs) about things they want to talk about? Yeah. Is this secretly a way to, like, maintain friendships and just be like, instead of talking about whatever stupid shit we talk about, (laughs) I'm going to force us to have a structured, interesting conversation about something topical. A little bit. I like that. It's very (laughs) sneaky. Not going to (laughs) lie.